Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. If you've seen the uh, promo for tonight's message, uh, we're going to do a prophecy update. Now if you're a, a member of Life Story Church and you go way back to the conception of Life Story Church back in the fall of 2014 when it was just a handful of us joining together in a uh, conference room at the community center, uh, that picture, can I see that picture one more time? That picture probably looks familiar to you guys because at the end of every message when we first started the church back in 14 and 15, we would have a prophecy update at the end of the service because Man, I'm telling you, things are just happening left and right in our, in our society, in our culture, that look like they could quite possibly be uh, uh, prophetically related. I mean, end time Bible prophecy stuff that we're witnessing right before our very eyes. And I'm, boy, back then it seemed like it was at, on a week-to-week -week basis that something was happening, even all the way through 2017. You know, things seemed to have slowed down for a period of time where there weren't so many headlines that you could draw a straight line to Bible prophecy. But in, ge but in general, everything has continued to move forward. To, uh, all, all these things that have been happening, wh whether they uh, seem to be happening less frequently or not, all of a sudden we've arrived at a place where we look around, <laughs> we watch the news and we look around and we see uh, the violence in the streets of our nations. Uh, we see a peace deal that was struck or, or, or that was formed and, uh, and attempted back in January, the deal of the century, right? And now here we've got this UAE deal uh, that just, uh, just came to pass last week. So I wanted to just to take a Wednesday evening, and even though it's not something that we have been doing necessarily on Sunday mornings anymore, like like routine, the, make the end of service a prophecy update. I wanted to take a Wednesday evening and make it a prophecy update. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I just want to go over a few things that are happening. And I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know if it's going to be a shorter message. But usually when I think it's a shorter message, it, it, it runs away from me. So this UAE deal is what's on the table here tonight, guys. Uh, this, this deal that went through... Uh, the United Arab Emirates, they struck a deal with Israel last week and the United States and President Donald Trump were the brokers of this deal. And since it happened, you know, I've had a lot of people who are interested in Bible prophecy, know the word, love to study eschatology, asking me, is, is this prophetically significant? What, I mean, is this something that we should be paying attention to? Um, well, let me say this for starters. In 1979, Egypt struck a deal with Israel, and it was all about normalizing relationships, uh, the relationship. Um, and then again in 1994, Jordan struck a deal uh, with Israel, normalizing relationships, right? They want to get along, they want to have peace, that's the idea behind it, you know. And, you know, that didn't bring about the end times, did it? That didn't bring about uh, Jesus' uh, quick return. But the thing, the thing that I want you to do tonight is I want you to think, 
think in terms of dominoes, right? You, we've all played the game when we were kids, surely, right? Uh, if your grandparents didn't have toys, they might at least have a box of dominoes at their house, right? And you could set up little dominoes up one after another, one after another, one after another. And you make a little design or whatnot. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but you tip the one domino over and they all fall down in this order, right? So I want you to think in terms of dominoes because Benjamin Netanyahu and President Trump have both said about this deal, this UAE deal, uh, that they believe that it will lead to other regional actors to follow suit, other nations in the area, in the Middle East, to follow their lead because the United Arab Emirates, they are a global powerhouse and they're centered right there in that region, right across the Strait of Hormuz from Iran, and they are super wealthy on oil money. I don't know if you guys have ever looked them up or looked up the uh, uh, architecture projects that they have going on there, but if you haven't, do so, okay? Because the fact that this nation struck the peace deal with Israel it is significance. Also, when you think in terms of dominoes, you've had Egypt normalized. You've had uh, Jordan normalized. Now you've got the uh, uh, UAE normalizing. And then other nations, Arab nations in the area, possibly coming together and linking arms with them for the case of peace with Israel. This could be something, church. This could be something. You know, relevant details that we know now about the deal. I don't know how many of you have uh, studied it or read up on it, but one of the most important things that it does is it stops the annexation of Judea and Samaria. Okay? Uh, we, perhaps over the last few years, if you pay attention to the news at all, you've heard that there are settlements being built in the West Bank, is what the world likes to call it. We call it Judea and Samaria, uh, biblically. Right? So Israel should be able to build whatever they want to build, whether it's housing or whatever, in their own territory, right? Judea and Samaria, their territory, traditionally God's land, right? However, the Palestinians have set up shop and, and populated to a great degree this, this area known as the West Bank and even into East Jerusalem, okay? Well, Israel has been building housing projects. You know, they've been building into this area uh, to the extent that uh, when the deal of the century didn't happen back in uh, late January, uh, Netanyahu moved forward with this plan, this idea, uh, to annex the West Bank and say, you know what, this is ours, thank you. That's, we're going to officially, for the record, this is a subject to Israel, uh, make it official, you know, officially taking it off the table of any peace negotiations between the Palestinians and uh, the Israelis, okay? So this was a point of contention for the Palestinians who when they come together to talk peace with Israel, you know, they want their land. Well, if, if Israel is annexing it and saying, well, no, that's our land, that's part of Israel, then that's a, obviously a point of contention. This UAE deal, part of it is that Israel agrees not to annex, uh, not to annex the, um, 
the West Bank. And what's significant is Jared Kushner, who brokered this deal, was part of this deal as well, said this is the first time we've gotten Israel to draw borders on a map and get them to agree that this is what we're where we're putting borders and this is so it's a it's an issue of dividing the land but don't let me get too ahead of myself there yet okay one thing we've got to understand as christians is that when we talk about this israel palestine battle for land within the borders of israel is that there's actually no such thing as a palestinian all of the people that <laughs> uh, that might sound crazy to you right however all of the people that live in that area that call themselves Palestinians, they're from Jordan, they're from Saudi Arabia, they're from different Arab nations. It was in 135 AD that uh, Rome gave the name uh, Palestine to Israel. It was uh, something they would normally do whenever they conquer an enemy. They would normally give them the name of their worst adversary. Who was the worst adversary of Israel? Come on now, uh, Sunday schoolers. The Philistines, right? David and Goliath. Goliath was a what? Philistine. Translate, uh, transliterate Philistine and you get, any guesses? Palestinian, okay? So that was a name that uh, uh, the Roman Empire actually gave the nation of Israel all the way back in 135 AD after an uprising that failed. They're trying to throw off Roman uh, occupation. Again, it failed. So Officially, uh, the Roman Empire named the land Philistia, Philistia, which transliterates to Palestine. And that was all of Israel. That was the whole of the territory, not just the West Bank, you understand. And of course, so isn't it interesting to think that the first Palestinians were Jews? The first Palestinians weren't from Jordan. They weren't from Saudi Arabia. They were actually the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, Jerusalem Post, as it's known now, was originally uh, uh, formed as the Palestinian Post. So somehow this, this name Palestinian, uh, through the, the uh, ages, through the reign of the Ottoman Empire, uh, the name has just traveled and then the Ottoman Empire controlled the land and it turned into a desert. They still called it uh, Philistia, right? Even though it was part of the Ottoman Empire for hundreds of years and we could talk about all of the history of that. We could really go into some depth there. Uh, but for tonight's purposes, the Palestinian people that are in the West Bank now are truly Jordanians. And uh, now they may have been there for, uh, uh, you know, uh, decades, uh, over a hundred years, right? They may have been there because of the Ottoman Empire reign, but originally they traced their heritage to Jordan and Saudi Arabia predominantly. They aren't, they, they aren't, they aren't natively Palestinians as the Jewish people were, thus the formation of the name. And anyway, it's good for us to understand here because why are we giving Israeli land to people from Jordan and uh, from Saudi Arabia. They're not native to that land. Who is native to that land? Does anybody want to guess who's native to uh, that land? The Israelites, of course. The Hebrew people were native there. So 
it's important for us to understand this when we talk about annexation, when we talk about borders being formed, when we talk about land being given away, it truly is being given away. We're not talking about two people that were natively there and natively uh, it was their motherland and homeland. Okay, It is truly Israel giving their native homeland away to another peoples. Okay. So this deal, this uh, UAE deal, it stops the annexation, uh, which is very significantly a condition that the Palestinian Authority had set uh, to, in regards to coming back to the table. When the deal of the century was rolled out back in January by President Trump and Jared Kushner, the United States brokering this deal between Israel and the Palestinian Authority, the Palestinians, of course, said, no, no way. No, it doesn't give us enough. Not a chance, yada, yada. Well, uh, they, they said at that time, you know, that we would have to first stop the annexation. If you want to talk to us, if you want to further the conversation of peace in the region, you'll have to stop the annexation. So this UAE deal uh, stops the annexation, which is something that the UAE thought the Palestinians would be happy with them about. The Isra Israelites uh, thought that this would get the Palestinians back to the table to talk peace, so they thought that this is a good thing that could come out of this UAE peace accord. Okay, uh, but back to, the ta back to the table for what? Oh, I mentioned it several times already. Can I see this picture actually? Anybody can go online and read this, by the way, if they want to. The deal of the century. The deal of the century. It gives up sovereignty of East Jerusalem so the pa Palestinians can have their own capital there. And it gives up the sovereignty of Judea as well. And this is going to be important for you guys to remember as we look into the Word of God tonight, okay? This is a deal, the deal of the century to finally bring peace to the Middle East, all right? Jared Kushner uh, proudly talking about how President Trump has approached this in a way that nobody ever has before. He's thinking about it in a different way that nobody ever has before. <laughs> Section tw uh, 21 on page 38 of the deal of the century is a, is a, a, a a, a section called end of claims okay and you can look this up in other words what it means is any past claims that you had to this land we're forgetting about it and any past claims that you had to this land forget about it if you say that Jerusalem is your capital city forget about it. you said Jerusalem is your capital city forget about it any borders any ideas that you thought you had before forget about it. we're ending all claims and from now on this is the new claim the only claim that matters and the UN will oversee uh, this agreement to make sure that it is honored what could go wrong there huh considering so much of the UN is an enemy of the United States, an enemy of Israel, right? So I'm sure you're already picking up on this theme, guys. Splitting the land of Israel is at the heart of this deal. At the heart of the deal of the century is giving away the native parts of the native land of Israel, giving away part of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, splitting East Jerusalem right off the map. That could be an issue for God, I've got to tell you. Can I see this map? I've got a map for you guys. I know you're visual learners. This is a map of Judea. 
so you can see what I'm talking about. It'll make sense to you. There's Samaria to the north of Jerusalem and Judea to the south of Jerusalem. And you see Jerusalem, the line, the border goes straight through it. So that uh, land in the east of Jerusalem would now be the capital of a uh, new nation state named Palestine and Judea which gets its name from the line of the tribe of Judah, Judah, right? And Samaria to the north, that would be Palestine under the deal of the century, okay? Which they said doesn't give them enough. Why doesn't it give them enough? Look at this map again. You see that little uh, slit of land called Gaza down there? That was land that was given, I believe, in uh, the year 2004. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody on the feed. But that land was given away. Uh, to the Arabs for peace. That was supposed to bring peace. Guess what? It didn't bring peace. You talk to any Israeli that lives over in Israel and they'll tell you anytime we give away land it brings more violence because the, anytime the enemy presses in they say death to all Jews. We love death as much as the Israelite loves life. That's the call of the Palestinian. Truly it's on their website. Look it up in their own material. Anytime that Israel gives up land, what it does is it just moves the, the battle lines closer. It it, the, the missiles get closer is all that happens. So what is Gaza like right now? It is horrifying. It is uh, impoverished. It is a war-torn country. Uh, all, the, all the aid that pours into Gaza is, they don't build schools and hospitals. Now, when they need a school or when they need a hospital, they, the Israelis are good enough to let their people through the border to go to a hospital. However, uh, they buy missiles with that federal aid that comes in, and the same thing for the Palestinian Authority. Over two hundred million dollars a year goes into the Palestinian uh, Authority, who occupies the West Bank and uh, the the West Bank area, and no new hospitals. Guess what? Uh, the uh, the civil system is a mess. The, uh, the civic system is a mess. Their, their streetlights don't even work. Forget about hospitals and schools. It's why they're buying missiles. In Gaza, they're digging tunnels. Terrorism is fed and bred with the money uh, that is sent for aid. Oh, and I'm sorry, this is going to make some people mad. I don't know if I'm going to get kicked off Facebook for saying, the, for this, saying this one, guys. But this is just the way that it is. Um, you know, I went to Israel back in 2015, and we drove through the West Bank. And there's a night and day difference between the West Bank and Israel. You drive through the West Bank, there's trash on the streets, there's graffiti everywhere. You drive through parts of uh, the nation of Israel, it's pristine, it's beautiful. It, what, what you witnessed there is a lot of, like what we're witnessing here now, which is a spiritual war. Uh, the, the spirit of God versus an antichrist spirit, okay? So, as Iran uh, loves, to, loves to say, you know, that antichrist spirit will not be satisfied until Israel is driven into the sea, until there is no more Israel. So, giving up Judea and Samaria, ceding all of that land, it would almost be a suicide declaration, in my opinion. But that's part of the deal of the century, that they said still wasn't a good enough deal. Well, this UAE deal brings them back to the table for the discussion of dividing the land. And like I said, that could be an issue for God, wouldn't you say? So is this UAE deal relevant prophetically? Well, let's just let that one hang out there. Uh, <laughs> and we'll come back around to it. 
know, the dividing of Israel can be a problem for God because of it's his nation. Not only that, but the city Jerusalem, the dividing of that city, half the, all of eastern Jerusalem given away, given away, uh, the city that bears his name. Did you know this? That the city of Jerusalem actually bears the name of God? You look up on uh, the internet what Jerusalem means, uh, and you'll find out that it means city of peace. But can I tell you, that's not, that's not, that's not all of it. Can I see this next graphic, guys? Let's take a look at this. Jerusalem in Hebrew is actually this. It should be a uh, chalk picture. Negative. Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, I'll just go on, and if you find it in that folder, you can pull it up. Jerusalem is actually Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim. Jeru, the first part of that, in Hebrew, means Yermea, Yermea Ahu, meaning the Lord loosens, God will lift up, Yah exalts. I'll go back and I'll put the picture on the feed for you guys, okay? Selam, the last part of that, Shalom, right, means peace. So, Shalayim would be the right way to say that in Hebrew. It means peace. So, you put those two together. Yah exalts peace. Yah, Yah, Yahweh, the name of our God the Father. Jesus came in the name of His Father, right? Yahshua, Yah. Yah exalts. Yah for short. Yah exalts peace. It's not simply the city of peace. So this is the city that has the name of God upon it, church. Do you think that this dividing that city and dividing this land might be an issue for God? Well, let's go to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, shall we? Verse 1 through 3, and read. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundations of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, verse 2, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. When they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, remember, Judah and Jerusalem, what did we just see on that map, by the way? Remember the map we just showed you? Jerusalem and Judah, right? When they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, all who would heave it away, throw it away, carry its burden in some translations, will surely be cut to pieces. In other words, you're going to cut up my land, I'm going to cut you up. I love J.D. Farage said it like that. I love it. Through, though all nations though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Though, think about that. All nations of the earth are gathered against it. He's going to cut them up, those who seek to divide his land. Joel chapter 3 verse 2 then reads, I will also gather all nations, there they are again, and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of Hamagito, Armageddon, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, they have also divided up 
my land. Whoa. Okay, so this is a big deal to divide up God's land. Not something that we should take lightly. Not, never something we should take lightly. Any nation that seeks to divide the city of Jerusalem, divide the nation of Israel, God does not take this lightly, church. So is this UAE deal that deals hand in hand thusly, or intended to do deal hand in hand thusly with the deal of the century? Is it prophetically relevant? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Duh. In Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, uh, we uh, have studied this. We actually, back in October, we did it. Spent a full <clears throat> Sunday morning service, and I probably went way over time on it, uh, teaching about this war that is supposed to happen in the end times. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, this war that brings uh, Ru Russia and Turkey, uh, Libya, all these other nations, a confederation of nations that brings them to Israel, God puts a hook in their jaw and drags them down to Israel, okay? Well, guess who's not happy about this UAE deal? Can I see that next headline? Guess who's not happy about that deal? Iran and Turkey slam UAE deal over agreement with Israel. They say that Palestine has been betrayed. Hmm. Interesting. Can I see that next picture as well? So this is the map of this war that's pro going to happen. All right? It's prophesied that it's going to happen in the end times. Gog, Magog. Uh, Gog is the leader of this nation, Magog, who leads the attack on Israel. But they're confederated with Persia, who is modern-day Iran. Meshech and Tubal, which would be modern-day Turkey and Syria. Are these nations... Are ringing any bells for you today? Uh, uh, interestingly, up a Gomer is a Germany uh, area. And you've got Foot and Libya, which is still Libya today, and Cush, uh, looks like the land of Egypt. So you've got all of these nations coming together uh, that are, as a matter of fact, if you'll look at the headlines, and if you want to go back, it's probably on our YouTube page. All of those nations are aligned today. Church, we cannot underestimate the significance of these nations who are not happy with this UAE peace deal. The fact that they are aligned and partnered up today literally for the first time in history. That spirit of Antichrist has, has drawn together this alliance in these specific regions and nations. Let's read uh, Ezekiel chapter 38. 10 through 16. We're not going to do a whole study on, on Gog Magog uh, tonight. We don't have time for that, but let me just read you this. Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. To take plunder and to take booty. That's why they're going. To stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. <sighs> Don't let that be lost. Anytime the nation of Israel is not in Israel, the nation turns into a desert. Uh, Mark, Twain visited, uh, Mark Twain visited Israel 
uh, in his young life. And in his writings, he talks about how, how such a great place was just a vast wasteland, I believe is what his words were. There was just, in other words, desolate. It was a desert. It wasn't until Israel was back in the land in 1948 that they developed new technology to turn literally a desert into an oasis among the deserts. You go to Israel now, it's green, it's lush, it's leading exporters, it's a leading exporter of, uh, of, of almost everything in the region. Uh, incredible vineyards in Israel, right? They call, it's known as the breadbasket of the world. Yet you take the Israeli people out of, out of Israel and like clockwork. You know, during, when, they, when they left, when they were taken out during uh, the, the Babylon imprisonment, the land just went to waste. During the Ottoman Empire period then, desert. You put the Hebrew people back into Israel and God blesses. So have you come to take, listen to that, to take plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited? Is that not prophetic of the third kingdom of Israel or what? I mean, good grief. And against the people gathered from the nations? Hmm. Against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, and this is significant, that's why I underlined it. Well, they will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Like, are you coming for their stuff? I mean, we know that the, the largest oil deposit likely in the world now is in uh, the Golan Heights of Israel, which, by the way, President Trump declared part of the sovereign nation of Israel. And they named a town after him in the Golan Heights for doing that because that was land that they were arguing over uh, with Syria since Syria decided to invade Israel um, in 1973 in the Yom Kippur War and lost badly. Again, another miraculous victory for Israel. But President Trump decided to put an end to that. So there's oil, there's booty, there's plunder. Uh, Russia, whose economy is in state of ruin, that needs oil. Uh, you know, all of these sanctions that are being put on Iran and Russia and whatnot for their behavior, pushing them closer and closer together. They need the oil. Could that be why they're going? All the natural gas just off the coast of Israel and the Mediterranean. My goodness, Israel is a wealthy, wealthy nation. And you look at it on the map and it's no bigger than Rhode Island. The whole world is in upheaval over this one little nation the size of Rhode Island. Wonder why, huh? Could it have something to do with light and dark? I think so. Uh, let's keep reading. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away the silver and gold, and to take away the livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely. Will you not know it? Verse 15. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, and you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, which I think this is so interesting as a side note, riding on horses. You know, the word uh, Israeli, Hebrew word for uh, their tanks in their military, they call them sus which is the word, Hebrew word for, uh, for horse. So, sus, horse, 
tanks. Interesting. Riding on horses, but there's even more to that I don't have time for uh, tonight. A great company and a mighty army. Verse 16, you will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days. When? The latter days. When? The end times. That I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before your eyes. So, so some nations in this confederacy, they agree and they go to plunder, right? They confederate. These nations that are named, these nations we showed you on the map, these nations that today, at this point in history, are aligned for the first time in history, but other nations do not. Who does not? If you looked at that map, you would see not Saudi Arabia. Hmm. You would see not the UAE. You would see not Jordan, interestingly enough. Interestingly enough, church, you'd see these nations that you would think would typically be enemies of Israel, but for some reason, they're not. Now, there's a couple different, couple different you know, ways we could go with this, okay? Psalm 83. We study Psalm 83, talks of a war, talks of an Arab war, another confederation that will wage war in the end times against Israel. And interestingly enough, on that list of nations are the Arab nations that are missing from the Gog-Magog war that we're talking about right now. So could it be, and oh, by the way, and we studied this back in October as well, that same uh, list of nations can also be found in Ezekiel 30, 25 through 32, which comes obviously before Ezekiel 38 and 39, if you're tracking with me. So a war before this Gog-Magog uh, war, where they're turned to chaff though. So that's interesting. That that, I get hung up on that phrase in Psalm 83 that there'll be like chaff on the wind because God will defeat them. Well, those nations are still here today. Some think that in 1967, that was the Psalm 83 war or the Ezekiel 25 through 32 war because those same nations that are listed in Psalm 83, literally, literally those were the nations that attacked Israel in 67. I have a tendency to lean that way too, but there's, you know, we can't be dogmatic about this stuff, right? This is actually just, a, a lot of this is a blast to look at and study because you can't believe that it's happening right in front of your eyes, right? But is it quite possibly that these nations are not part of that confederation because they're part of a peace accord? Because those nations aren't, today, they're not, they're still there. In, that, in those regions. There are still nations in those regions, right? So, could it be that they're part of a peace accord? And that's why they don't join with Turkey and Russia and Iran. Iran and Turkey are belligerently upset right now with the UAE. Saudi Arabia, by the way, is not far behind, sources say. There are many of those other nations in that region that are now looking to join the UAE's leadership and normalize, normalize relationships with Israel. So, I don't know, Sheba, Dedan, merchants of Tarshish, all their young lions, right? Where, where is the United States in here? Can you imagine, though, there, there would be some great war in Israel in the end times that would not involve the United States? 
I don't know, is it because the United States is part of some peace plan that restricts us from joining in? I don't know. Some think that we are the young lions of Tarshish. Interesting, interesting point here. The Phoenicians sailed as far north as England for tin. Way back when. The Phoenicians, we're talking Phoenicians, that's way back. They sailed as far north as England for tin, a metal used in the making of bronze and other alloys, which they mined in Cornwall, England. And it leads some to connect Tarshish, therefore, with England. And it may be that the name Britannia is actually derived from a Phoenician word meaning source of tin. Which is interesting. Uh, if so, it's pretty cool. If so, uh, this reference to the young lions could be to, or could be, or to uh, Tarshish, uh, could be, uh, Tarshish, the merchants of Tarshish, this could be, uh, you know, a reference to Great Britain uh, making lions or villages of Tarshish. Uh, it could be Great Britain's colonies in that case, uh, of which the United States is most prominent today. The fact that the lion is a symbol of the British Empire lends support to this theory. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I, I can't say that I prescribe to it, but it's pretty interesting. Could we be, could Great Britain be the merchants of Tarshish, you know, and their lions be colonies? Uh, I don't know. Are we, are we gone? <laughs> Are we just, or are we just gone? You know, are, are we raptured by this point, or has a, or like, or like I said, or is some there's some peace deal that, deal that restricts America's involvement? I don't know. In any case, you know, uh, I believe that, you know, if you could, you just imagine for a moment that war and the chaos where Israel will actually be invaded, the Galilee actually invaded. Can you imagine the world chaos that would be happening? Uh, you know, could it be that out of that chaos, out of that chaos, uh, out of that storm of Gog Magog, that a peace would be sought? Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 reads, And he shall confirm the covenant <clears throat> with many for one week in the midst and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the obl uh, oblation to cease excuse me and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate could it be that in the chaos rises a leader that will confirm a covenant. That word confirm, it actually means to make stronger, not only in Hebrew, but in Arabic as well. Um, he'll strengthen an accord that already exists. A covenant that's already there. Maybe a deal of a century, I don't know. Uh, and he strengthens it for one week, which in, in uh, Hebrew understanding is seven years. One week is what? Seven days? Seven years is one week uh, prophetically uh, in Hebrew. And in the midst of that week, he shall cause the sacrifices to stop. So we see there what has happened. This man steps onto the scene potentially, signs a peace deal for seven years, which leads to the temple being, the third temple being rebuilt. 
which leads to uh, sacrifices for the Jews again starting up, which leads to him then stopping three and a half years into that peace, stopping the sacrifices and overspreading abominations and then he'll make the Holy of Holies desolate and that shall be determined. Can I actually see this next graphic? Daniel chapter uh, 9 verse 27 gives us some insight here, but the previous verses also ha have light. And we've, again, I don't have time to go through all of this. A lot of this stuff you know, I'm just kind of hitting headlines for you guys of some deep study topics. We studied this several weeks back on a Wednesday night. Verse 24 talks about the scope of things. The 69 weeks are prophesied in Daniel 25. There's an inter interval that can be identified in chapter 9, verse 26. And then Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 outlines the 70th week, this seven-year period, this seven-year tribulation period in the end times where a leader steps forward to bring peace. And in signing a peace deal, that begins a seven-year tribulation period. I mean, are we, are we, are, is this what we're seeing? The begin, are we seeing a scene be set up, a chessboard right before our eyes? Are we seeing the, the pieces moved? Is this what we're witnessing uh, play out? Because rabbis say that he's here. Countless, countless rabbis at this point. Rabbi after rabbi after rabbi in Israel right now saying the Messiah is near, the Messiah is here. Some actually say he's already here. He's already alive. He's already in power. We know who he is, some of them say. Uh, but can I see this next graphic? Uh, you know, don't, don't make me prove it to you. Rabbis say that he's here. Top rabbis, look at, they say, look at the signs. The Messiah is coming. He's already at the door, according to leading Torah scholar. And that was coming to us just on August 8th. They're saying this. They're saying he's here. Look at the signs. It's not just uh, evangelical Christians who are, who are saying, look, look at the world. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon, guys. Even the rabbis are saying the Messiah is coming. Of course, you've got to understand the Messiah that Israel wants, it isn't Jesus. They rejected Yeshua HaMashiach. They re rejected Yeshua of Nazareth as the Messiah. They're waiting. They're, they're still waiting for a Messiah. And if somebody steps forward and signs a covenant of peace that grants them access to the Temple Mount, that allows perhaps even for the building of the Third Temple, I'm telling you, if the Jewish people, the religious Jewish people in Israel, have a world leader deliver them that third temple, he will be their Messiah. He will be their Messiah. As a matter of fact, let's see the next graphic. We're, we're there, church. Is, we're there. Rabbis say he's here and everything's ready. Guess what? Rabbis are inspecting red heifers in secret locations in Israel for use in the, guess what, I just said it, third temple. Is that time really upon us? Is that time really upon us? Is, <laughs> is something that for many people, many Christians today, this, this deal with the United Arab Emirates, did, for many Christians that just passed with the week's headlines, could that possibly truly be this significant? Is that time really upon us? Are we about to see the return, the forget the return of Christ yet. Are we about to see the pseudo Messiah? 
the Antichrist, you got to remember that in the Greek, the anti doesn't mean opposite of. It means in the place of. Even pretending to be, declaring himself to be God, even, halfway through this tribulation. So, so it'll all look good. It'll look good. It'll look how we need peace. We want peace. What is the next shoe to drop, though? What's the next shoe to drop? What happens next? Let's read Daniel chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 7. At that time, Michael shall stand up. Let's read that. At that time, Michael shall stand up. Underline that or pay attention to it, okay? The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. It's quite a responsibility Michael has. He's certainly been busy over the years, hasn't he? And there shall be a time of trouble. Jacob's trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. Imagine that. Though. Think of all Israel has been through. What's coming is far worse, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, written in the book of life, church. You see, traditionally they have three books that are opened on Yom Teruah. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the Book of Life, the Book of the Dead, and the Intermediary Book. Immediately, those of life are saved, uh, those who are uh, in the Book of the Dead are damned, and those in the Intermediary Book, this is all, you know, this is not Christianity stuff, this is their tradition, okay? They have a period of seven days uh, to repent between Yom Teruah and the Day of Atonement. They have a period of time. Sounds familiar, huh? perhaps sounds how God is dealing with Israel during a tribulation period, perhaps, right? Got to understand that the tribulation is all about Israel, okay? Why? why? It's, it's meant to be a refining fire for God's people Israel. That's what the tribulation is all about. Let's keep reading, though. At that time your people shall be delivered, and everyone who is found in the book, verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn away, excuse me, turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words. And seal the book until the time of the end. When the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Has knowledge increased, church? Boy, it sure feels like knowledge has increased to me. How about an iPhone, for example? How about a phone I keep in my pocket that has a more powerful computer in it than the computer that sent men to the moon? How, try the knowledge increasing. How about that? How about a global, worldwide web of information sharing that has led us straight into this big brother uh, state that we're entering, 1984 style. Uh, let's keep reading. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on his, this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. And one's, verse 6, one said to that to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, he said, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Good question, huh? How long? I know, that's a question we all find ourselves asking. Verse 7, Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river 
when he held up his right hand and his and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be are you paying attention for a time times and a half time in other words three and a half years three and a half years and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered all these things shall be finished okay let me read you real quick Revelation chapter 12 6 through 7 you're going to find that it correlates. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. And many people believe that to be Petra in Jordan. Uh, and there's some incredible uh, math that lines up with the miles of Petra from, uh, from Jerusalem as well. Anyway, uh, there's a good reason to believe that this is Petra in Jordan. An incredible city carved right out of the rocks. Incredible. Um, anyway, they should uh, they flee there, and let me keep reading. They should feed her there for how long? One thousand two hundred and sixty days, which also happens to be guess what? Somebody say it for me. Three and a half years. At that point, three and a half years in, guess what happens? Verse seven: A war breaks out. A war broke out in heaven, and guess what happened? Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Michael, three and a half years in. Remember the prophecy in Daniel 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up. When will it be? And he said, three and a half years. Revelation, speaking to John, three and a half years. Times time and a half. Can I see this next graphic? I know we've got this one. Three, three, uh, times, times and a half. How do we calculate that? A times originally in the uh, Hebrew was a dual. Times meant dual. So uh, it was later lost in the Arama Aramaic. So, but if you understand that, then you see time means one plus times means two plus the half, and you're looking at three and a half years. All being referenced in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Daniel chapter 12, verse 7, we just read. Revelation uh, chapter uh, 12, uh, verse 14. And of course, what we just read in verse 6 as well. Uh, three and a half years, 42 months in Revelation 11, and verse 2, 13. So this is significant, significant. This, there's going to be a period of three and a half years, which is known as the Great Tribulation. Okay? Take your screenshot of that. There's your references, all right? So that leads us to this. We're getting pretty, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here, guys. I see this next graphic. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're looking for. Is the time really upon us? Is the time really upon us? There will be a peace treaty signed. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Begins a, seven, a, a 70th week period, a seven-year period. The first three and a half years go by, 42 months, 1,206 days, until a halfway point, which is when an Antichrist sits on the throne, as read to us in Daniel and that's when the Great Tribulation begins. That's when um, all hell literally begins to break loose on earth. That's when the wrath of God, and it's important to understand the distinction, that's when the wrath of God is poured out 
on the world and on Israel. This is not the, the, the suffering that we suffer today at the hands of Satan. This is God pouring his wrath out on the wicked. At that point, uh, after seven years, uh, there was a war, and then a second coming of the Lord happens. So, my goodness, church, church, church. What happens at three and a half years? Important to note, the Antichrist sits on his throne. But there's something else. There's more for us there. Let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to give you verse 1 through 12. Last scripture for the night. Well, second to last. We've got a short one after this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word of this letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. All right? They think, the, they think they're in the tribulation. All right? And there's more to talk about there, but I don't have time. Let no one deceive you, verse 3, by, me, by any means. For that day, okay, that day is the tribulation period, the seven-year period. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Falling away. Of course, we uh, taught on the rapture uh, back uh, in March, I think. That word falling away, we talked about then. I encourage you to go back and find that sermon. Uh, that word is originally in the Greek apostasia. That's where it's trans translated in some English translations as apostasy incorrectly. Okay, Apostasia in the Greek means disappearing. Disappearing. They actually, for somebody to fall away as if they were to fall down, the Greeks have a different word for that, pipto. It means I fall. That's the word that would have been used there if it was referring a uh, religious apostasy. So there is a disappearing. That day will not come for us. What day? The seven-year tribulation, are you hearing me? Will not come unless... The disappearing comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. How is he revealed? Who signs the covenants? Who brings the peace, church? Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And we know when he does that, don't we? We just read it, place after place, the midpoint of the tribulation period. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining this is verse 5, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Who restrains, church? Somebody say it. Who is the restrainer in this world? The Holy Spirit is the restrainer. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Within you. Within you. And the Holy Spirit must be taken out of the way, perhaps in a mass disappearing situation. Verse 8, let's read, let's keep reading. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one 
verse 9, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. He's a liar. Ooh, he's the father of lies. He's been a liar since the beginning, Jesus said. Verse 10, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive. This is so important for us, church. They did not receive who perishes. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Verse 11, And for this reason God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure, pleasure in unrighteousness. What happens next? What happens next? Is it war? Is it war? Are, are we going to see this uh, Gog-Magog war? What do we, what's coming next? Guys, is it the peace deal confirmed? Is it the beginning of the seven years? Hmm. We know the Antichrist doesn't come until halfway through. He, he doesn't turn wicked and evil until halfway through, uh, or show himself to be wicked and evil, possessed by Satan until halfway through the tribulation period. But is, is he? Uh, do we see him on the news right now? We just don't even know who he is. I don't know. Part of me thinks that we might. We might. We might. What's next? Is it the war? Is it the peace deal confirmed? Whatever it is, church, guess what? Prophetically, you don't need to be here for it. You don't need to be here for it. Uh, the rapture of the church can happen at any time now. If this UAE deal, all right, if the, and, and Russia and Turkey and Syria and Iran, and they're all upset about it, and it's more reason for them to confederate together. If that, I'm, I'm, if that doesn't show us, church, that what times we're living in right now, if that doesn't show us what times uh, we're living in, I don't, I don't know uh, what will, church. It can happen any time now. Jesus. The return, now, I've always been a believer that Jesus will turn on a specific prophetic day that is very relevant to him because I, I don't believe that he just will randomly draw a day out of the hat. Okay, um, There are some that do, and that's just nothing that we should argue about or have division about. We can have differences of, of opinion on when Jesus comes back, whether it's going to be completely random and it's imminent, or if it's imminent and on a specific day or feast day. Uh, you know, no reason for the church to get into arguments over that issue. Um, but we can both agree, whatever camp you're in, we can both agree that it can, the rapture of the church, all of the players, all of the pieces are on the chessboard. It truly could happen now, anytime, church. I encourage you again, if you haven't watched our, our video on the rapture, please go back and do so. Everything is in place. Everything's in place. These things could begin to happen very rapidly, you have to understand. Now, if you look at them, you're like, eh, I don't know, because you think about it, and it was 79 with Egypt, and then it was uh, 1994 for Jordan, and now all the way to now for the uh, UAE. Uh, things could take a, take a while to develop. Not when the board gets to a certain point and place. Church Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, uh, last one for you that I've got reads, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. 
things which must shortly take place. Now, a lot of people will read that and they'll think, shortly? Well, what do you mean shortly? It's been 2,000 years. Hold, I mean, hold on a second, since John received the revelation, right? No, 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 no. Shortly, in the Greek, is the word tacos, not, and yes, tacos, <laughs> but not the delicious tacos that we enjoy frequently. Tacos means events happening rapidly in respect to one another. That means quick succession. That means church. If I can bring it all the way back around tonight to dominoes, can bring it all the way back around, what it means is when that first domino tips, then they all go bam, 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 quickly. Church, hear my heart on this. The, ne the next big domino to fall away, pun intended, to apostasia could be you. <laughs> that literally... The next, what, what are we waiting for? What's the next big thing that's going to happen prophetically? Is it, is it uh, the peace deal being signed? Is it the Gog, May Gog war? Does that have to happen first? What's the next big thing that's going to be happen, happening? It could literally be you. It could literally be that the rapture of the church is the next thing that needs to happen and is going to happen. And if you look at the scene of all the nations aligned, the peace deals being signed, the tensions that are rising, literally church, you've got to prepare your heart for this and realize how close the return of our Lord to the cloud, to meet us in the clouds is. So church, are you awake yet? Do I have your attention tonight? Is this UAE deal prophetically significant? I'll just close by saying this. At this point, what isn't? With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here tonight, and maybe this is a wake-up call for you, maybe you've never heard this kind of teaching, maybe you go to a church where You've never heard this kind of teaching? I'm just telling you, 27% of the Bible is prophecy. We should, if that's the case, we should be talking about it at least every four Sundays, right? In our churches, yet the churches don't talk about it at all. In any case, if this is waking you up, or maybe this is getting you excited, I encourage you to study this stuff out for yourself. I'll send you notes. I'll go back and look at other videos that we have, guys. I just want you to lay your heart up before the Lord. If that's you here tonight, or maybe it's something else and the Lord's working on your heart, and maybe the thought of Jesus returning so quickly is an eye-opener and a wake-up call for you, and you need to get some things in your life right. You need to get your heart right, whatever it is, whatever it is. I just want you to lay your heart before the Lord right now, and I want you to say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Let's pray, church. Come on. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the way that you love me. Thank you that you've not forgotten me. Thank you that you, you haven't given up on me. Thank you that your promises are true. Lord God, I see, the, I see it now. I look at your word and I see the, the news and I see prophecy ha happening before my very eyes. Lord God, I see that this truly could be biblical prophecy being fulfilled. And I, and I, I know that your word is true, so why wouldn't it be? Lord, I know you're not a liar. One thing the Lord cannot do is lie. Your word is true. So I know you've promised these things. You've prophesied that these things will come to pass, so I know that they will. Why should we be surprised if it happens in our lifetime? Oh, Lord Jesus, 
if you're doing this right here now, Lord, I just, I thank you, Father. I thank you for the honor of being born in this generation, to be a part of the generation that sees it happen. I pray that you give me strength, you give me knowledge, you give me insight, Father. You give me boldness, Father. You give me understanding to share these things, show these things, and teach these things to those who are unaware, but that might be saved, that might turn their heart towards you if they knew these things, if they could see these things, if they could see that biblical hope is not blind hope and blind faith, no. It's based on the truth of your word, based on what you have promised. You who do not lie have made promises that things will happen. So we surrender our hearts. We say, Lord, give us this. Give us what we ask tonight and give us the opportunity to share. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never done it, and you, you, can, you want to change your life forever right now, and not just this life, but your eternal life, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I can't deny it anymore. I've run from it, but here I am. Lord, receive me. Receive me as I give you my heart, Lord. I say I believe that you're God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave on the third day. Lord, come into my heart and make me new, Lord. Gather me unto yourself, Father, as you gather your church, your bride, before the tribulation begins, Lord. <laughs> that the restrainer would be in me. And that I be a part of the restrainer that is removed before that day, that seven years, begins. With all my heart, I pray, walk with me all the days of my life, Lord, because I believe I am yours, and I trust in you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Well, we got it done. A lot of stuff we covered in just over an hour. I think it, we could have easily stretched into two or three hours if we had really gone for it. But, you know, there's always next time. So we love you guys so much. Uh, Rawwood Retreat looks like it's on for this Sunday. So 10.30 a.m. Join us online if you're not in Nashville. But if you're in the Nashville area, even close, come on out and fellowship with us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. You can find the details on the Facebook page. Uh, and on the Instagram page coming up for this uh, Sunday morning service. So uh, with that, we love you guys, and I'll let you go. Have a blessed night. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May He pour His favor out on you. May you go in grace and grow in grace and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. We love you guys. Thanks.